whoa, this is, this is something else. This is something I was not prepared for at all. Welcome to the LAMP Podcast, where we are shining a light on the stories of caregivers. Welcome back to the LAMP Podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Labrie. I'm still out on the road traveling, but I'm happy to say I did replace the microphone that broke on the road, so I have a new microphone. Hopefully this sounds better than the last episode. A few years ago, I was teaching international students, and part of the class was also to help them acclimate to studying and living in the U.S. So a lot of times we would have conversations about American culture and the difference between their cultures. I had students from a lot of different countries, Poland, Korea, China, Japan, Brazil, etc., One of the things that we talked about was how in the U.S., one of the first things that people ask each other or ask about each other is, what do you do for a living? It's a pretty common question that we get anywhere we go, right? You're at a party, you meet someone new, they ask you, hey, what do you do for a living? So what do you do? And it made me think about how our jobs are a really important part of American culture and a really important part of our identity. So what happens when you have a major change in your life and you lose that identity? Today's episode, we're gonna talk to a friend of mine, Bianca, a nurse practitioner who's gonna share her story of her crazy 2020 and 2021 that left her wondering who she was and was she more than just her professional role? Here's her story. So as a caregiver, um, let's go back to when I first became a nurse. That was back in 2015. Um, I worked in med surge for about three and a half years. And then I went to nurse practitioner school. Um, And my first job as a nurse practitioner after graduating was working as a urology surgery nurse practitioner. So I graduated from nurse practitioner school December of 2018. And I started my first nurse practitioner role October of 2019. So during that time, um, after graduation, I continued to work full time um, as a registered nurse. And I passed my boards, woohoo, which was a big deal. (laughs) Because the stress that came with that was something else. And, you know, I started, you know, looking around and thinking, all right, my first NP role, you know, where do I want to go? Um, And I successfully landed my first job in October of 2019. So uh, my role was very involved um, in my patient's care. I worked at big cancer research hospitals. So, and a lot of times, you know, as a caregiver, my role is to, of course, make sure I'm doing what I need to do medically for my patients. But at the same time, it's having that connection with my patients, making sure that they feel like they're not just a number, you know, like the next patient I have for that day, the next patient I'm seeing for that day, the next patient I came out of surgery, but really um, feeling like a human, 
really feel that compassion and empathy that they need, um, especially in a time where they're sick. So my role was to make sure that they were getting their holistic needs met, as well, of course, the medical needs. <laughs> if I can explain or even put into words my nurse practitioner journey, um, what I thought it was and where it is now, kind of like on Instagram, like, hey, it's a cute Instagram pic versus reality. OMG, <laughs> I was not ready at all. Um, so yeah, so when I started October 2019, of course, we know the pandemic full-blown hit New York, um, middle of March. So being a new MP, settling into my role, um, you know, switching that mindset over from a registered nurse to a nurse practitioner, you know, getting comfortable with myself and who I am as a provider. And now here comes a pandemic, which literally changes healthcare in this country as we know it was like whoosh. And, you know, it took a lot of adjusting. It took a lot of trying to process and understand, but at the same time, meet the needs that are, you know, pressing right now, but at the same time, still trying to care for myself and my own mental sanity. And, you know, again, still just being comfortable with my role as a provider, you know, because here you are, you're in crisis and you're still, you know, adjusting and getting used to where you are right now within the healthcare system and your role right now. Um, so it was a very, very interesting time, um, to say the least. Um, I can also say it's a very difficult time, but I can also absolutely say it's a very enlightening time. And it taught me a lot about myself, who I am as a person, and being able to adjust to stressors um, and just unexpected occurrences in everyday life. So it really tested my resilience, but I'm still here. <laughs> Um, I actually was working that night when our hospital got the first COVID patient and it was actually my patient. And I like, so my coworker and I who was working that night when the lab results came back and I saw positive for COVID-19, I'm like, wait, what? Like the coronavirus? Like, is that what I'm looking at right now? So literally I had to call infectious disease. I have to call my supervisor. I have to call the doctor. Like it was a whole episode. And of course, you know, the nurses are paging me like, hey, you know, once I saw the page, I'm like, I already know what it is. So I call them and I'm like, hey, you know, I'm actually coming down. And she's like, yes, please, would you be able to come down? Because we now have to, the patient doesn't know. And I'm like, oh, and that's when that moment hit again. I'm the provider. I have to deliver this news. Um, so my, I was like, I'm not going down there by myself. Like, I need you to come with me, please. So my colleague, she went down there with me and I worked on the fifth floor. So when I actually got to the first floor, there was security just like completely closing off one of the hallways, which I knew that's where the patient was and they would not let us through. And I literally had to show him, I'm like, look at my beeper, look at my ID. That is my patient. I'm from urology surgery. That is my patient. I need to go tell him. So they finally, you know, they let me through, they es escorted me along with my coworker. And when we got into like 
the area that he was in, it looked like something out of a movie. Like everyone was in suits. Like here I am like, what are the odds the night I'm working, my patient is the first patient to get COVID in this hospital. So of course, like everyone's there, supervisors, doctors, like just, it was madness, security. You know, I go in there and I, uh, my coworker and I, we went in there together and, you know, I let him know what was going on and that he was positive for coronavirus and his face just dropped. And he's just like, the first thing he asked me, is, am I going to die? And I'm like, how do I answer this question? You know, like a pandemic is now ravaging through New York and I have this adorable little man in front of me with almost every comorbidity you can imagine. And this is the question he's asking me. It's like, how do you answer that? Um, and it was hard. It was a hard night. And I had to let him know, listen, I don't determine the outcomes of anything, but I will ensure that we do everything to make sure you're okay. And it's just like, it was, it was scary. You know, it was scary. And I think about that night because before we got his lab results, um, one of the doctors and me um, and I, we actually were in his room, you know, he's a new admission and, you know, we're checking him out and making sure everything is right. And okay, you know, we'll be back. So I'm just like, wait a minute. I was in that room. Like I was in that room. So I now have to call my husband, my parents and let them know, hey, I've been exposed. You know, my patient is positive. You know, when I come home tomorrow morning, do not be alarmed. I'm going to be in an N95. You know, my parents are, they're a little bit older in age per se. Um, so I had to let them know, listen, I'm not going to be able to see you guys for a couple of weeks because I don't know what's going on. I just know what COVID is doing to, to the, the world. And I can't expose anyone to that. It was hard. It was really hard. And the next morning when I got home, you know, John, who's a gem, he he had a black plastic bag waiting for me in front of the door. Um, I had my N95 on and I just broke down crying because I'm like, I can't hug you. I can't do anything. I'm just gonna, I have to quarantine in our bedroom and that's what I did. And thank goodness, um, <clears throat> you know, I got tested. I was negative. Um, I never got COVID, thank goodness. Um, but the, the mental stress that it puts you under during that time, during that not knowing is, is something different. Um, you know, any little am or like trying to think, you know, clear my throat. I literally was like, this is it. Like, this is it. Like I'm done for Like This is it. And with John, you know, he would just like kind of bring food to the door, kind of knock on the door. Like, Hey babe, food on the other side of the door. I'll wait for him to walk away. Then I'll get the food, eat it, and then put it back outside the door and then call him on his cell phone. I'm like, hey, baby, I put the plate on the hallway. And like, that's how we had to live for like two weeks. And it was really difficult. Of course, we know the pandemic 2020 was a complete, uh, I don't even know what it was, but it was, it was that. <laughs> and um, so a couple of changes that happened for me 
was January of 2021, there was actually an active shooter um, in my hospital. So again, you know, being a nurse, having worked in the hospital for years, you know, you always do the active shooter drill and the fire drill and you're just like, oh, what are the odds that something like this would happen to me, right, while working? So <laughs> here I was, you know, my coworker and I, we just went downstairs, we got some snacks, getting ready for the night. We work night shift and um, we go back upstairs and I bump into one of my, my fellows and I'm like, he looked kind of frazzled. And I'm like, hey, what's going on? You know, he's usually cool, calm, uh, cucumber. And I'm like, what's going on? I'm thinking something with a patient. And he actually was like, whatever you do, do not go down to the first floor. There's an active shooter. I'm like, wait, what? I just, we, like, we just, we just came from there. Like, what are you talking about? Like, I didn't see anything down there. And he was just like, no, it's on the other side. Like, from uh, on the other side of where the cafeteria was in the urgent care. And I'm just like, what? So of course now, you know, word is spreading, word is getting around. Um, and again, you know, we're on the fifth floor. So that fear where it's like, wait, is this really happening? Like, are you sure? And it's like, no, seriously. So of course, here I go again, gotta call my husband, call my parents and just let them know, listen, if you guys see my hospital on television, I'm okay. I'm on the fifth floor, but I just want to let you guys know what's going on. And that's when, of course, the phone calls and the text messages started coming in because words started spreading and people started on the news. Um, so for us, we actually had to lock down in our office. So literally like no one in, no one out, no one used the elevators, nothing. And <laughs> that fear, <laughs> that panic where it's like, someone is in the hospital as of right now we know he's on the first floor with a gun actively shooting at security and the officers that were down there was terrifying like it i uh, it was it was actually terrifying so um some of my co-workers well two of my co-workers and i we actually so we you know kind of peeked out the office like okay what's quiet all right, so let's see what's going on. We kind of like, you know, peruse the floor a little bit because we still have to check on our patients, you know, they're still patients. <laughs> so check on our patients, make sure everyone's okay. And actually when we're in one of our patients' rooms, when we went to the window, you just see police lights, like just lights, sirens outside. And they literally just shut down. The whole block was completely shut down. And I'm like, I'm in a movie right now. Like, I'm literally in a movie right now. This has to be a joke. Like, there's no way. So after we're done checking on our patients, we go back into our office um, for the night. It was just, again, nonstop phone calls and text messages and I love yous. And it's just like, okay, no, I love you too, but we don't have to do this right now because I'm going to be okay and I'll come home. Like, I'll be coming home tomorrow morning, I promise. Um, but it was terrifying. And it, again, it was just one of those things where you never think it would happen to you until it actually does. Um, thankfully, you know, no one was injured. No one passed away from the incident. Um, but it was quite, quite, quite the night. And um, that happened in the beginning of January. And two weeks later um, from that, I got into a car accident. I got into a car accident right outside the hospital, getting ready to go 
um, you know, start my shift. So I was waiting, I was parked. Um, I was waiting, you know, I usually like to get to work early, give myself time for traffic. I was actually on the phone with my husband and, you know, we're just talking and just, all right, yeah, it's still early. You know, I'm just waiting. And thankfully, and I can say genuinely and thankfully what saved my life was my seatbelt because although I was parked, um, my seatbelt was still, I still kept my seatbelt on. Just my head, I just remember my head slamming into the steering wheel and I'm just screaming and John like what is going on and I'm like I think someone just hit me I'm just screaming someone hit me like someone hit me and I thought my nose was broken like my literally my head slammed into the steering wheel and I looked to my right and I remember the car pulled up it was an SUV and I was in my little Corolla um and the car the SUV pulled up next to me he like kind of slowed down I guess look in my car and just sped off and that was the end of anything whoever that person was to this day we still do not know so of course bystanders just went up to my car and like you know there really are good Samaritans out there um you know someone called 911 for me people were like you know examining me like looking at my car looking at like one, one guy was like kind of like assessing my car another lady was like looking at me like okay let's check your nose you know are you about to pass out and everything and um within minutes the ambulance came and um you know she stayed with me in the ambulance she called my husband for me um she called my parents for me and um it was just my life changed since so from that accident, I had a concussion, a pretty bad one. Like I was actually sleeping up to like 14, like 12, 14 hours a day um, for like weeks after the accident. And um, I had herniated, I have herniated disc um, from C7 to C9. Um, I'm sorry, C5 to C7. And it was just, again, that whirlwind, like, so now it's like, wait, am I gonna have to get surgery on my neck? Like, it was just the thought of like, I'm actually injured, you know, like where I can't go back to work. Like, I literally cannot go back to work. You know, during that time, um, I can definitely say that I didn't realize how much my identity was focused around my career per se because to me it's always like oh Bianca the NP oh Bianca the nurse you know um but when you take that away especially it happened of course it's taken away involuntarily you know I had no control over it I was at a point where I'm like who am I actually like I don't know who I am um it was hard to process and of course, actually being in pain, you know, I had to get neck injections. I was on, you know, the meloxicam. I was on the Flexorilla, physical therapy three times a week. Like my life revolved around my injury for that period of time. And um, I actually like, I'm one of those kids where it's like, you know what? I can actually say I never broke anything. So like for this to be my first like big injury, it's like, whoa this is, this is something else. This is something I was not prepared for at all. 
And it was a very, very difficult time because, you know, you're still trying to figure out, okay, how injured is injured? Like, can I go back? Can I possibly go back to work? And I was one of those people where it's like, I'll push myself to do something. But even my physician was like, Bianca, I know how you are. Do not push this. Like you're, you're injured. Like you cannot, there's no going back to work right now, especially because you work night shift especially because you're still on pain medicine and especially because you know I live in the suburbs and I work in Manhattan it takes me an hour and a half to get to work so she just like you cannot sit on your neck right now for an hour and a half driving to work one way and then staying up all night it was it was difficult and then on top of that you're like actually legitimate pain so I was a crab. My husband is a saint because I know that I was a crab for <laughs> quite some time. Um, but he was very, very supportive. He like massaged my neck every night. He still does actually. <laughs> you know, he was super supportive. He made sure I didn't overexert myself by any means. Um, but also, you know, when he has to go to work and I'm, you know, I'm home by myself, it's just like, wow. I'm really home right now. Like I should be at work right now. And I had to get myself out of that mindset where it's like, no, Bianca, you need to be taking care of yourself right now. That's what you need to be doing. During that time, I was so much in survivor mode that I didn't really like process it. But like talking about it now, I'm just like, wow, that was a lot. For any one person, that's a lot. But I'm happy again that I'm able to, well, first of all, still be here and able to, to share my story and you know, to also shed light on the fact that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. You know, um, I'm happy and I'm very grateful for that where I am today physically, before I touch on all the other points physically today, you know, um, I don't have any more pain. It's just more so like stiffness I still have in my neck. Um, so I'm still, of course, very careful um, with everything I'm doing. Um, I can say that I started having a good turnaround by like July. And that's when I took a trip to Costa Rica um, which was one of the most beautiful, if not the most beautiful trip I've taken. It was my first solo trip. And during that time, I had a lot of time to reflect and meditate and think about what is life when you do take away everything in terms of career. Like when I take away my titles, like what is life? What is my happiness? What is my joy? And what wakes me up every morning? I can definitely say anyone who knows me knows one of my joys is traveling. I will get up and go. <laughs> I love to see the world. I love to travel. I love to meet new people. And um, since the car accident, since I had to resign um, from my position because, and um, since then I have been living, like I've been living. So I have become an international trip host for nurses um i've collaborated with the company and we're hosting amazing trips around the world so when that opportunity presented itself to me i was just like wait a minute is this real like is this happening do i really get to travel the world 
empower women like is this happening to me and it's true and it's real and I will be hosting my first trip my first retreat for lovely nurses in about um in November mid-November I'll be hosting in St. Lucia and I will also be hosting a trip in Colombia in March and Bali in June and that is like one of my greatest joys um after that I officially breathed life into my passion project fall pumpkin Halloween spooky everything so I started my own spooky brand called Spooky Melon Magic, but www.spookymelonandmagic.com where it's, it's a blog for all things spooky, Halloween, autumn, pumpkin vibes. Um, and I'm also creating custom itineraries for my clients um, for Salem, Massachusetts, which is really, really, really exciting. Um, it's just, it's amazing. It's amazing because I never thought that my passion, you know, my passion project would literally be a breathing, walking entity. And um, in terms of my career, you know, like I had mentioned previously, battling that, you know, identity, like who I am, like, who am I? Like, you know, if I'm not, if I'm not in the hospital, like who am I? And, you know, since resigning, I've gotten a telemedicine position. So I'm still that nurse practitioner, but I'm now working from home, which is amazing. And it gives me so much time and freedom where I can travel, I can host trips. You know, I'm working and producing content for my blog and I'm literally doing everything that I love. Um, I'm also a subclinical investigator for a pharmaceutical company, which I do per diem as well. So again, everything that I'm doing, I love but I still have that freedom. And that's one thing I can say, I realized that it is super, super important. Um, actually the most important aspect to me is having that freedom to spend time with my husband, spend time with my family, spend time with my parents. You know, um, I can do what I love, what I enjoy, and I don't have to ask anybody for permission or can you approve my PTO or my, you know, my vacation requests you know, again, I still have those days where I doubt myself, like, you know what, I could just, I could just go back to hospital and, and, you know, just go back to like, you know, working my 13 shifts a month and everything. But I was like the quality of life that I had before versus the quality of life that I have now, I would not trade it for the world. Like I wouldn't, I would not trade it for the world. I also have time to dedicate to our beautiful group, Luminous Energy Collective, um, you know, have time to, to talk to my sisters, you know, talk to my friends, talk to my tribe and, and invest in myself, you know. Um, but the freedom, again, I would not trade it for anything. And I'm so happy and proud of where I am today. Thanks again for listening to The Lamp Podcast, and thank you so much, Bianca, for sharing your story. Bianca is a multi-talented, board-certified family nurse practitioner, an entrepreneur, international travel retreat host, the founder and creator of Spooky Melanin Magic, and she's in the process of building her own empowerment brand, Elevate Your Essence. Bianca is also a member of Luminous Energy Collective, a group of healers for caregivers, and she enjoys traveling the world, 
creating new experiences and memories. You can find Bianca on Instagram at hey underscore nurse B or at spooky melanin magic. Thanks again for listening to the lamp podcast. We'll catch you on the next episode.